0: Yeah. Growing up in Virginia, there wasn't much that uh, made you think hero about Desmond Doss. He enjoyed the same things that other uh, young uh, boys uh, liked uh, it, growing up in Virginia. He uh, enjoyed flattening pennies on the railroad tracks with his... Uh, with his friends, which doesn't sound like uh, uh, anything I'd advise you doing, but he, he liked doing that growing up, and uh, he, he liked wrestling with his brothers growing up. His brothers often remarked that it was uh, almost impossible to win a wrestling match with Desmond. That wasn't because of his uh, outstanding strength or technique, but only uh, because he never, ever would give up. You know, he'd never say, hey, I'm done, I'm, I'm out, I'm beaten. And uh, perhaps that was the one thing that sort of stood out about Desmond Doss. Uh, that in his faith, he was a Seventh-day Adventist, and uh, he uh, grew up with that faith, and, and from a, uh, a circumstance with his uncle and his father, as a young boy, he grew up with sort of this... Uh, this idea that, hey, I'm not going to use weapons, I'm not going to fire a gun. And, and so when World War II broke out and he, uh, he decided to uh, join the military and to sign up and to enter the the army, that that distinction was sort of uh, at odds with his decision to serve his country as well. But he wanted to uh, sort of prove to himself and others, I, I suppose, that serving his God in the way that he thought best and serving his country were, were not mutually exclusive and so in 1943 he enlisted in the armed forces and despite the best efforts by some of the higher ups and and certainly by some of the the men that he served alongside to sort of chase him out of the army he stuck to it that same uh dedication and that same uh unwillingness to quit that had uh caused him to be sort of the the wrestling champion and his uh uh, childhood growing up, you know, caused him to stick with that dedication in the armed forces. He was shipped out with his with his unit, and his battalion was given a mission in 1945 uh, to uh, to uh, 1944 to defend this area of land to take this area of land that they nicknamed Hacksaw Ridge because of this sort of devastating cliff that was at the edge of that. Uh, land uh, here 's a picture of das at the top of that cliff uh, it was It was an area of land that was well defensed by the Japanese in fact, as this battle uh, started and took place it, it really decimated uh, das 's unit and his battalion and Uh, serving as a medic it was Das's job to treat the wounds of different individuals and then uh, in this particular area of land he he had to bring them back to the edge of that cliff and lower them down and as the as the battle raged and and his battalion was given the command to retreat he was left almost single-handedly with this mission and over and over he raced into harm's way to bring one more soldier to the edge of that cliff and to lower them to safety. And and maybe you saw in the movie Hacksaw Ridge a few years ago, uh, maybe you saw uh, this prayer, this simple prayer that he offered over and over and over again, made famous in that, that film. As he lowered one soldier after another to safety down the side of that cliff, he would say, Lord, please help me to save one more. Help me to save one more. And he did that over and over until he had saved 75 different soldiers and lowered them to safety over the edge of that, over the edge of that cliff. Doss, like many of our veterans that we remember this weekend, uh, are a great example of how we can live uh, for more than ourselves. I think that uh, in Jesus' teaching this morning, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, he, he raises three questions that we need to uh, answer in order to live for more than ourselves. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them up to the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew. We're going to take a look at verses 19 through 24 this morning as we consider uh, three questions that are raised in Jesus' teaching here in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 19 through 24 this morning as we consider these three questions. Matthew, the 6th chapter, beginning with verse 19. This is what God's Word says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, no, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, three questions that I think are uh, raised by this uh, section of of teaching by Jesus. The question number one is, where is your treasure? Verse 19 says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. We We are a people that... We're driven by uh, accumulating things and by accumulating wealth uh, to a certain degree. And, and when we think about the resources God has given us, when we think about that wealth, you know, maybe it's more difficult for us in sort of this digital age to sort of think about these things as being very temporary, as, as something that can be destroyed by, you know, by moth or rust or vermin, by stuff, uh, by kind of the weather and wearing on that. I, I, I think just the other day, when when I was filling up for gas, I swiped my car and put in the gas pump and started to fuel my my car and and then I looked at the gas pump and it said prepaid twenty dollars and I thought that's weird I didn't prepay for anything and I you know it, it finished and I went inside and I told Sherry you know I've got to make sure you know, I didn't steal somebody's gasoline here I need to make sure I paid for this and and Sherry started to look up on her phone you know and it, make sure it, it hadn't charged. Uh, our, our bank card for that that twenty dollars of, of fuel and, and we can just look up instantly you know on a website and, and so much of our wealth is sort of digitized today that maybe we lose track of this idea that or maybe it it helps us to, to think i suppose that it 's so very temporary and and Jesus begins in verse 19 by reminding us that uh, of that that some of the treasures that we try to accumulate and surround ourselves with are just very temporary but instead, he says in verse 20, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. In essence, in verses 19 and 20, Jesus is saying, hey, you need to make wise investments here. You know, consider what's worth really investing your time and your resources and your effort in. Uh, just recently, there was a, there was a huge uh, lottery a jackpot that uh, was up to one and a half billion dollars, and evidently some winning ticket was was bought and sold. And I haven't followed it closely to see if anybody's claimed this jackpot yet or not or several people or whatever but there was a winning lottery ticket that was sold for this one and a half billion dollar jackpot. Uh, it's a number so big that I can't really kind of wrap my mind around it and when you look at that uh, the lottery jackpot it, what you need to know is that in the last year there was 72 and dollars spent on lottery tickets for that $1.5 billion lottery jackpot. Those numbers are really, really big, and I, I can't quite uh, figure those out, but I do know that $72.5 billion, bigger than $1.5 billion. You know, and those $72.5 billion spent were spent on lottery tickets for a chance to win this jackpot, and, and for that lottery ticket, you received a 1 in 300 million chance to win that jackpot. I think it's safe to say that when you purchase a lottery ticket, you should probably be purchasing that lottery ticket for some other reason than, you know, the jackpot, right? A one in 300 million chance to win that jackpot, not what we would probably call a wise investment. It just doesn't make sense. In fact, when you sort of unpack that a little more and you consider... You know, the treasures in heaven or treasures on earth idea. And we could have a long discussion about how, you know, that $72.5 billion could better be used to solve all kinds of issues in our world that surround us, right? Just kind of fill in your favorite best cause. And man, what a difference, you know, those resources would make to solve that sort of issue invested in this chance for each one of us to have a one in 300 million. Uh, chance to win a a jackpot. Probably not a wise investment. Jesus sort of gives the impact why these investments really matter. In verse 21, where he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Kind of, uh, we follow where we're going to invest those uh, resources. And and when we want to choose a wise investment, it's not just for the payout. You know, for most of us in this room, when we consider investments, probably the, the best investment we've made, kind of physical investment, the wisest investment we've made, is probably in our home, and, and even when you think about your home, where you live, it, it's one of those things where you can see pretty clearly what Jesus meant, that, you know, there's an investment that, that has to be made here, right? We need some place to live, we need shelter, we need food, we need all those necessities, and our home provides that for us, but at the same time, you know, it draws a lot of our attention away, doesn't it? You know, there's a list that I could make right now of, of, of uh, you know, jobs, tasks that need to be uh, fixed up on my home, right? Things that need to happen, you know, and, and so that investment of time and resources just continues. And even this wise investment can kind of lead us away of making an investment that really truly Matters. I have some great friends who, uh, just several years ago, uh, now I guess uh, built what they would call their dream home. It's a beautiful home, and it's on a beautiful section of land, and it really is picturesque, and it, it's a it's a great place to be. and And uh, they they've spent a lot of time and resources and in choosing that place and that property and building their home. And, and one of the things that I admire most about that home is not just the beauty of the se- setting, or not just the beauty of that home itself, but the that they are constantly and consistently you know inviting you know missionaries to stay in their home they've had foster kids stay in their home they've they've made that resource they've invested into that that property and that resource not just as a wise investment for their wealth and security and safety and all of those things but they've invested in that property with their their heart as well and and being a uh, having a place and having a resource that they can share well with others and share the love of Jesus well with others. As we consider, you know, our treasure this morning, and as we consider where our treasure is, the first question we need to ask is, is just where is your treasure? Where's the rest of our, our hearts and minds and our lives? How does it follow our treasure Are we investing in in something that's temporary, that will be gone tomorrow, or are we investing in the relationships and the value of, of knowing and serving and loving Jesus for all of eternity? Question number two, then, we need to consider is, where is our focus? Look at verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. It it sort of seems like an odd uh, distraction here. Jesus sort of seems to veer off a little bit in this conversation about, about resources and treasure and money that we'll talk about at the end. He dives into this topic of our eyes being the lamp of the body uh, letting in light uh, giving us direction and uh, you know a couple of weeks ago I, w- I wasn't here at Wallula I was on a trip with my son Clayton and and I called that Sunday afternoon and and talked to uh, Sherry and the girls at home and said hey how was church and they said oh it was fine and I said well did anything interesting happen and they said oh no the music was good and Zach did a good job preaching and uh, you know we don't really need you at all here and uh, you know, <laughs> different things like that right and, and then they said, oh. And, uh, you know, in the middle of of worship... The electricity turned off. And I said, really? Well, that's something unusual. That doesn't happen every day. And I said, what, what did you do? What happened next? And they said, well, it just turned off and then came back on. And so we just started again. And it wasn't uh, too big a deal. And I thought, I wonder how dark that room was. When all the lights went off, I wonder how dark, you know, this, this room was. And, and because I'm thinking once in a while, it can be kind of dark in here. And, and I don't know if you've ever been in a room that was completely dark. Maybe some of you were here Uh, for nine o'clock service a couple weeks ago, and maybe it was really dark, I'm not sure, but if you've been in a room where the lights go out and it's really dark, there's a moment where no matter how familiar you are with what's around you, no matter how used to that room you are, that when those lights go out, when darkness sets in, there's sort of that moment of Panic. You know, you, you have to figure out, you know, am I am I in a safe place? Am I, does this make sense to me? Uh, and so as Jesus begins to have this conversation about the eye as the lamp of the body, maybe maybe it does make sense because so much of the information we take in around us is from our eyes. In fact, scientists say that 80% of everything that we learn is from what we see, from what we see around us, from our eyes. And so if those go away, if you know, that darkness sets in, then there's a moment where we have to figure out, am I going to be okay? Do I know where I'm really heading? And when you look at Jesus' conversation, he said, hey, if your eyes are healthy, if your eyes are good, then the rest of your body is probably going to be good. And, and it, that Greek word that is translated translated in our in our translations is either good or maybe healthy when it's talking about eyes is a greek word that literally means uh single-mindedness or undivided loyalty and so when jesus is saying when he's talking about our eyes being good he's really talking about our focus what are we paying attention to because whatever we're focused on, that's kind of how the rest of us, that's where the rest of us will be headed. The, a couple weeks ago when I was gone, I was with my son Clayton. We were on a, a visit to a, a college campus and he was, you know, at this baseball camp and every one of these camps he goes to or a baseball practice Clayton goes to, you know, he throws a, a bullpen as a pitcher. And, and now as a 17-year-old pitcher, mostly where he wants to throw the ball, the ball generally goes in that you know, well, that general direction anyway, but I remember when he first started to pitch, that wasn't so much the case. In fact, I have a picture, I wish I would have pulled it out because it would have been funny for me, maybe not for the rest of you, but it would have been funny for me, in T-Ball when he was just you know five or six years old, in T-Ball when the ball was literally on a tee. If you've ever been to a T-Ball game, they, they send this little kid out to play the position of pitcher without a baseball, and they say, well, just act like you're pitching, and so they go through a motion, and they, they throw this imaginary ball to the batter who has the ball already on a tee, and Clayton is in the middle of the diamond, and before he goes through his imaginary motion, he doesn't have a ball, he's looking around at all the base runners. And T-ball, There's if there's base runners on, they're just, you know, they're picking daisies or they're standing on the base. They're not going anywhere. But he is distracted by all these base runners. And when he started to pitch, you know, as a as a little kid, as a nine or 10-year-old, man, he would be looking all around like he had the game under control and he'd be checking everything out. And then he'd throw the ball and his eyes may or may not have been looking at, you know, home plate at the catcher when he threw the ball. And over and over when Clayton was seven and when he's 17, I would say, hey, Clayton, you know, if you want to throw a strike, you have to be looking at that target. If you want to throw it to the target, look at the target because where your eyes are You know, generally, the ball has a much better chance of going in that direction, you know, going to where you want it to be. And Jesus is just saying, hey, we need to have this sort of single-mindedness, undivided attention and focus paid to where we want to go. And and the information that we take in, and when we pay attention to that, that's how the rest of our life is going. Verse 23, uh, Jesus goes on to say, But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? We have a choice, Jesus is laying out. We can choose to sort of live for others. And, and place our treasure and our resources and our time and our effort and our choices and service to him and to others or we can kind of choose to live for ourselves. and when we choose to live for ourselves, he's going to go on to describe this reward and the verse to follow well that reward is sort of what's around us i have a, a buddy with some young kids and he decided you know he was going to take his kids out for a walk and he described it as a hike i don't know how much of a hike it was but he said i'm took took my kids out for this this hike and and they started out and and you know sometimes dads we get in over our head a little bit and he wasn't uh, he didn't realize maybe how long this walk was you know in this city walking path and this hiking area and so he gets out in the middle and he's got young kids and and maybe you have young kids or you remember when you did have young kids and you kind of they walk for a while and they're doing really great and then they start to ask questions like are we almost there you know how much longer how much further is this Uh, can we go home now or there's really the dreaded question is will you carry me right Uh, you know eventually they kind of grow out of that I've got you know a 14 year old a 16 year old and 17 year old and very rarely do they ask me to carry them any longer you know they they grow out of that mostly and so uh, they will, but on that hike, this dad found himself with these kids. Hey, will you carry me, carry me? And he's like, no, I don't wanna carry you. We're just gonna finish the hike. And, and he's trying to talk them into finishing that journey together. And so he did uh, what any good dad would do in that situation. He bribed his kids. He said, hey, if you finish this hike, we'll go to Dairy Queen. If we finish this journey, here's the reward. And this reward will be pretty good. And I thought about that story and it kind of made me laugh because I can remember my kids saying, you know, carry me, are we almost there? And, and uh, you know, all of those kinds of conversations. And you kind of say, well, the reward is going to be really great if we just get to the end. It's going to be a really fun, you know, park that we'll be in or, or we'll go to Dairy Queen after the trip. There's this reward at the end of the journey and it's kind of a funny story, but that's really the life we're living, huh? We're, we're following this path and Jesus said, if your eyes are good... If you're focused on me, if you're serving me, if you're serving others, then there's a reward at the end of the journey. The reward is great. The relationships that's built between, you know, our God and others right now, the relationships that we'll enjoy for eternity, that eternity in God's presence, that reward is really great. If we're focused on how good we can make the journey right now, if we're focused on self, rather than those relationships then the reward is kind of the reward I mean that dad with his kids he was in that spot you can choose to, to focus on the end of the journey and the reward at the end or you can choose to be miserable right now and the reward is what it is and that's the choice each one of us faces as we take in this information, as we pay attention to the direction that Jesus would have us to go. We can, we can keep in mind and we can live for and enjoy the reward that he's beginning to grow in our lives even right now, or we can just risk it and for the reward that we can build on our own. Because the opposite works as well too. If our focus is on self, then that darkness grows and how great is that darkness? You know, we can all fall trapped to that. And every every Sunday here at Wallula Christian Church, we take some time to remember that every one of us has at some point in time. You know, we've fallen, we, we've fallen into that trap, and we've allowed the darkness to sort of grow. And every one of us needs to find, you know, the light. We need to figure out how we get out of that dark place. And Jesus has made a way for us to... Uh, to get out of that darkness. He's, he's shown us the light. He's revealed that for us. And every week we celebrate communion together to remember that he's He's rescued us from that darkness. Some folks are going to be moving right now to, uh, to go get those elements ready. We're going to spend some time just remembering the light that Jesus offers to us. I don't know if you remember this story about Gabrielle Gifford. She was a congresswoman from Arizona, and several years ago she was uh, shot in the head and had some... Uh, obviously some damage done there and she had to relearn some things that we take for granted. One of the things she had to relearn to do was to speak and uh, through the course of this uh, speech therapy that she was involved in trying to learn to, to speak one of the first words that they they tried to, uh, to have her say was the word light and they, the speech therapist used this uh, therapy where she would sing songs with The patient and just the way our mind is our brain is wired is that sometimes, you know, even though we're trying to relearn this very basic thing, you know, other parts of our memory works and uh, she could remember how to sing even though she couldn't speak. And so as they as they practiced the word light over and over and over again, they sang this old uh, Sunday school song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And as they sang that song, they were relearning how to speak that word light. Uh, Every week here at Wallula Christian Church, we celebrate communion together. We sort of relearn together what light looks like by remembering... Jesus' choice to go to the cross. The fact that every one of us is a sinner, that we fall short and we're in desperate need of a Savior. And God sent that Savior into this world through his son Jesus, who chose to go to the cross. He died on a cross in our place. He was buried in a tomb. But on that third day, he rose, winning this victory over death, you know, shining this light into the world that every one of us has access to when we simply say yes to him. And right now, we're going to remember His choice to go to the cross. We're going to remember that light that's revealed for every one of us. Some folks are going to pass some trays with a piece of bread that represents his body hung on that cross. They're going to pass a tray with a cup of juice that represents his blood freely spilled for the forgiveness of your sins and my sins and the sins of the world. Just take that bread and eat. Take that juice and drink. You can place the empty cup back in the tray as it slides by and just spend a few moments thanking god for the light that he's shined into this world through his son jesus would you pray with me father god we love you and we thank you so much for loving us and, and caring for us thank you for jesus thank you for the light that shines in our lives through him it's in his name amen let's think about question three together then who is your master verse 24 and Matthew chapter 6 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. No one can serve two masters. You know, that, that's a word, master, that we don't use very much. And and uh, maybe, maybe we would be uh, tempted to sort of substitute a word like boss. Uh, no one can serve two bosses, except... That uh, many of us, you know, we have, we have two jobs. You have two jobs all the time. In fact, we, we might even say things about our employment, right? That, that this choice I'm making doesn't have anything to do with my boss and that makes uh, total and complete sense to us, that we can separate those two worlds, that we can separate those two ideas. And so uh, that's why I don't think probably we ought to change that word. Master, Jesus is talking about something else here. I remember having a conversation way back in high school and, and I was just sitting at, at this table in this class as other people had the conversation, actually. they uh, Folks were, were talking to this young lady who happened to be uh, a preacher's daughter. You know, sometimes being a, a preacher's kid is a tough gig. And uh, they were talking to this young lady who had been at this party, you know, the weekend before and, and maybe had made some choices she shouldn't have made or whatever. And then she was at church on Sunday morning and and they were having a conversation about, how these two worlds were sort of separate and and uh, does that make sense and and I'll never forget what this young lady said she said well yeah I mean it's just the best of both worlds and and sometimes we maybe think like that a little bit but in in Jesus economy it it doesn't it doesn't work uh, that way in fact in Romans chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 Uh, we read uh, these words, the same sort of conversation that the Apostle Paul has in in Romans chapter 6. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Uh, By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And so Jesus sets up this this sort of, uh, you know, you can't serve both of these ways of life. You can't serve both of these masters. He goes on to say, either you'll hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one uh, and despise the other no matter how much you try to live in both of these worlds one is always going to take priority and he ends the conversation here by saying you cannot serve both God and money now this this would seem to indicate that we have to choose between one or the other and you might be sitting there and and rightly so saying but we can't have nothing to do with money right we have to we have to have these resources in order to live you know we all need stuff like Food and clothes and shelter and transportation, and we we have to earn a living in order to provide these things for our families. And, and in other places in the New Testament, you know, the New Testament is going to talk about this. And so there, there sort of has to be this, this coexistence there. And so what, what Jesus is saying is we have to make sure that our our heart is in the right place, that our treasure is in the right place, that our focus is in the right place so that we can always make sure that we're we're making one of these the subject to the other master so as a follower of jesus i very much want to make my money my the resources that god has given me to manage subject to my master who is jesus and no matter what we do one of those things is always going to be subject to the other And Jesus is simply saying, you know, we have to figure that out. We have to figure out what that looks like. Last week we talked about giving back to God a little bit, and and somebody asked me a question about a story from the Old Testament about these two brothers, Cain and Abel. You maybe remember the story. One was a farmer, the other was a rancher. They both bring an an offering to God, and and God looked at one of those offerings and said uh, to to Abel, I, I... man, this offering is good, and he accepted that offering of a, of a lamb, and, and the other brother, Cain, brought some uh, produce, some stuff that he had grown in, in the field, and he brought that to God, and, and God looked at that offering, and he rejected that offering, and, and from that, you know, we should learn that God doesn't like vegetables, but that's not it at all, right? That, that was the question. The, the question was, you know, why was God upset with this offering, you know what was the difference here? And if you go back to Genesis chapter 4 and you look at you look at verses 2 through 5 and just the way that those offerings are described uh, in Genesis chapter 4, those offerings are described Cain's offerings from the the stuff that he had grown in the field. He, uh, scripture says that he brought some of that to God. And for Abel's offering the, the he brought the the fattest calf, the best, the first the first of his of his uh, of his flock he brought to god and so it was the priority that was placed on the resources given to these two brothers that made god accept or reject that offering jesus talked about it in a different way in, in luke chapter 21 he he's watching with his disciples as some folks make their offerings in the temple and and some rich guys bring in their offerings and they're making as big a show as they can about how much they are giving back to the temple and finally this widow comes in with less than a penny to give and drops it in the offering tray and jesus asks his disciples you know who gave more well the math will tell you that those rich guys making a big show of how much they had to give gave more but jesus said in my economy this widow's offering is where it's all uh, what it's all about because even though she had so little to give she gave all she had She prioritized me, she prioritized God over, you know, what made sense in her resource management even, over the wealth that she could accumulate you know, God is the giver of, of everything we have. And, and so if we want to prioritize him over the resources that he's given us, then we should give back to him another story in the book of Genesis. And chapter 28 of Genesis is told about a a guy by the name of Jacob. And Jacob makes this deal with God. I'm not sure if we should be making deals with God or not, but, but he does. He, in verse 20 of chapter 28 in the book of Genesis, uh, scripture says this, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and, and will watch over me on this journey I'm, I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And the stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And, all, uh, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tent. And, and sort of at the very beginning of, of the story of God's uh, people and his nation, this idea of tithing, of giving back to God's work is, is started. A tenth is just a Bible word that means 10%. And so Jacob is, is striking this deal. He said, I know that everything I have has been given to me by you, God. And so as you provide for me, I'm gonna give back to you. And everything that you give to me, I'm gonna give a tenth back to you. And it's one of the ways that we can prioritize God over the resources that He's given us to manage is just to choose to give back to His work, and in this idea of tithing or giving a tenth of what He's provided for us is a great place to sort of begin to begin to give back to Him and to begin to grow into a, a tither, to be a consistent giver to God's work. Last week we looked at a at a verse in First Corinthians uh, chapter sixteen that that talks about this consistent giving. and In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, that says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. And so we can give uh, proportionately. As a a tither, we can give consistently to provide for God's work, and we can even give beyond that as a sacrificial giving, following the example of that widow, uh, you know, giving back to God's work in the temple and 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 not worrying about the the equality of the gift we have to give but worrying about the equality of the sacrifice we have and we're able to make in God's place if we want to have this plan to give back to God if we want to be a a, a, to answer this question who is going to be master in our life is it going to be God or is it going to be the resources he's provided to us uh, to manage then we can give back to him uh, proportionately and consistently and sacrificially and if you'd like to begin that journey uh, to give back to God I want to help you along that journey the best I can and I want to encourage you uh, maybe to to strike a deal just like Jacob did that hey as you give to me I'm going to give back to you And if you want to begin on that journey, then I I just want you to to write the word challenge on the communication card that you had in your packet. And next Sunday, there's going to be a packet of information and a book to help you begin on that journey of just giving back to God and and the plan that he has for the resources that he's provided for you in your life and and how we can acknowledge him even with those resources and and just provide for the good things that he's doing uh, through his church. Uh, so if you write that word challenge on your communication card then we'll have a packet of information and a book for you next Sunday to help you begin that journey because this is just one area where we can again acknowledge others and and live for others more than ourselves. Uh, Desmond Doss uh, certainly uh, did that in in fact two weeks after that battle that we talked about in World War II he was uh, with his a unit again and they were under uh, enemy fire once again he was sort of trapped with a couple of other, other folks in a foxhole when a grenade landed in that foxhole and they did what they could to get rid of the grenade before it exploded but they were too slow they couldn't do it in time and Doss took shrapnel on both of his legs and rather than calling for another medic to come help him you know, he treated himself for shock and bandaged his own wounds. This was a story that was left out of the movie because the director thought nobody would believe that somebody would do this. And so he bandaged his own wounds and he, he, uh, he took care of himself when a, a sniper fired into that foxhole, striking him in the arm and breaking his, his bones in his arm. And uh, as his condition worsened, finally another medic came with a stretcher. And when that that medic with a stretcher came to, to get Doss out of there. Another one of the folks in the foxhole took some, some fire. And so literally while Doss was lying on the stretcher and this other guy is shot, Doss rolls off the stretcher and says, you know, take him first. So no matter how dark it became for Doss, he, he lived his life to uh, the very end, you know, putting others ahead of himself. As we consider, you know, these questions this morning, uh, we can continue, no matter how dark our life is, to, to make decisions to put others ahead of ourselves. Uh, We're going to continue to worship this morning right now. We're uh, going to worship by giving back to him And so uh, I just want to remind you that Wallula is a member supported church and and uh, all the good stuff that God is doing through Wallula christian church. He's resourcing through us every sunday And uh, this is just a a time for us to acknowledge that as we give back to god's work We're we're acknowledging that we want to live for others more than ourselves and you can do that right now. If you want to be a, a part of that tithe challenge over the next 90 days, three months, write the word challenge on that communication card. Make sure that you finished up those prayer concerns you might have on the back side of, of that card. Our staff is going to pray for those concerns during our staff meeting this Tuesday. Uh, we really do look forward to praying with you uh, for all of those things. We're going, to, we're going to sing as we receive the offering this morning. And so Uh, you can stay seated for this first song, and then maybe we we should stand together and worship with the next song, but uh, I'm going to pray for the offering right now. We're going to sing together as we receive the offering this morning. Father God, we love you, and we thank you so much for loving us, and and thanks for uh, caring for us and providing for us, and we know that even if we're in a place where it's difficult for us to count our physical blessings right now that you've provided your son Jesus and, and he is more than enough for each one of us for all of eternity. And so we say thank you for Jesus. Thank you for providing for us. God, help me to, uh, to manage every area of my life, including you know just the stuff that you've given me to manage in my life. Help me to manage that in a way where I place you ahead of myself, where I place others ahead of myself. Help me to do that better. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name.